Welcome to Nortonville Baptist Church Podcast. This is Pastor Lee Davis. We are a church that exalts, equips, evangelizes, and encourages. We hope that you are blessed by the message today. Thanks for listening. So what is right and wrong? That's a, that's a term. What was that? Wife, husband. What's right and wrong? Wife, husband. That's a good answer. But in reality, a lot of our culture and our society has taught us that there, there, there can be several rights, several wrongs, and a lot of area in between, a lot of gray area. But when we look at Scripture and we look at the way that Jesus and and God speaking through these people, the inspired Word of God that, that Lou is talking about with the children, that there is a right and a wrong. There is, according to 1 John, there is darkness and light. There is love and there is hate. There is, as we'll look at today, there is truth and there is error. There are those who are lost in their sin and those who are forgiven and they are saved. Uh, there are those that will be in heaven one day, and there are those that will be in hell. There is no purgatory. There is no in-between. There is no gray area when it comes to this reality. And we even look at First uh, John. We're going to read verses 18 through 24, but I want to read 15 through 17. And I'm not going to... This is kind of the... Uh, the transition. We've been talking the last few weeks about who is Jesus to you, and then last week we talked about the being obedient. Because the more that you know God, the more you will love God, and the more you love God, the more you obey God, and what that looks like. And we talked about cultural Christianity, but in verse fifteen through seventeen, I'm just going to read it, and uh, and then kind of it's going to give us the basis of what we're going to uh, focus on today, and you'll see where I'm going. Verse 15, it says, do not, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Here's just a black and white picture. Here's light and darkness. You love the world, you do not love God. He's not, it's that love is not in you. You are either of the world or you are of God. You are either on this side of the fence or this side of the fence. You are either lukewarm or you are cold, uh, uh, hot or cold, there is no lukewarm. Okay, verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and all its lust, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. And so he paints this, this picture, you are either, it's either us or them. You are with me or you are against me. And so that, that kind of sets up what we're going to read today in verses 18 through 24. And I'm going to go ahead and just give you this disclaimer. I am going to step on every single person's toes in here, including my own. Some of you are going to look at me and say, I don't agree with that. I don't like what you're saying. Uh, this is hard to hear. I don't pick it. I just preach it, okay? We got to this part. Here's what's coming. I'm just pre preparing you for it, Okay? Verse 18, children, it is the last hour. It's the last days. And just as you heard that 
Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists are here, have arisen. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us because they were not really of us. And if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out in order that it might be shown that they, that, that they all are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know. And because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? That, this is the, the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, and the one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you which you know from the beginning. If you heard from the beginning abides in you, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. You either have the Son and have life. You either do not have the Son and you do not have life. There's that black and white, right and wrong, light and dark, love and hate, truth and error, lost, forgiven, heaven or hell, breakdown that John's talking about here. So let's break it down then. Let's break it down in verse 18. Children, it is the last hour. The last hour. This is the time between Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection until the time he comes again. So from the moment we are reading in this right here in 1 John, even until today, we are... ...greatest when it comes to math, but I know that it's been longer than an hour. Right? And, and, and that reality is true for us, but God does not exist in our time frame. And in 1 Peter it says that a, year is like a, th- a day is like a thousand, ye- a, a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. His, his, it doesn't, he's, he's outside of time. He is the creator of time. And in order to create time, you have to be outside of time. So his measurement and his time scale is different than ours. And the reality is, is that the last days that we are living in are still going on. But with, the, with this understanding, and this is the last days, should this not create a sense of urgency? If we are in the last hour, every day that you wake up, there is one less day that you have and one last chance that you have to repent of your sins, accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, and be able to enter into heaven with Him one day. And every day, the breath that He gives... That is a gift that God has given you where it says he tarries, that he is, he is yet to come. First Peter says that he is, he is waiting to come back to get us because every day that he waits is a day and a chance for more and more people to receive him as Lord and Savior, to receive forgiveness of sins, to receive access into heaven because of a relationship they have yet to have with our Father. So this should, this, this should create a sense of urgency in our life, right? That that friend that worked that was lost that doesn't know Jesus Christ, that is one more chance for you to go up to him and say, all right, I have the courage and the boldness now to tell you how you can have eternal life. That, that, that husband, that wife, that mother, that father, that, that child, that, that relative that we're getting ready to spend uh, Thanksgiving with and Christmas with that you know is lost, you have one more chance to share the gospel with them. 
Man, this should create a sense of urgency. He is telling the, the children, he's talking to the believers here, children, it is the last hour. My beloved children, you, there is still time to tell those about the truth of who Jesus Christ is. But here is a sign that it is the last, last hour. It says the Antichrist is coming. But not only that, even now, many Antichrists have arisen. Now, we can get into this whole concept of the Antichrist. There is the concept of one Antichrist, and then there's also the, one, the concept of a many. Okay, And John is the only one who uses that term, Antichrist. And, John, and, and Daniel 9.24 talks about this man who's going to come, this, 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 this false prophet. Second uh, Thessalonians 2.3 talks about the man of lawlessness, referring to the Antichrist. We see the Antichrist in uh, Revelations 13, uh, 1 through 10. That's going to show up at the, at the very end. And it's going to, to deceive many. He's going to come as a false Christ. And if you ask 19% of all Americans, um, will say that the Antichrist is living today. They, they truly believe that. We don't know if he is or not, but they believe that. 50% of professing Christians who are asked this question believe that the Antichrist is living today. Now, for many, it was Obama, and for many, it's Trump, right? We can, we can put all kinds of names and guesses to it. We do not, we do not know who that is. All right, there's some, and we're not going to get into that. That's a whole other message on who the one Antichrist is going to be and, and the characteristics that he's going to, that's, he's going to encompass. But today, we're going to look at the many Antichrists that have arisen. We're going to talk about basically the spirit of the Antichrist. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 5, uh, verses 4 through 5. Is it up very good? And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. You jump all the way to verse 24 and 25 of that same chapter. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if, pos uh, if possible, even the elect, even God's children. Behold, I have told you in advance. He has warned us that there are going to be these antichrists that are going to arise. And see, he is telling us that there is a spirit even though the one Antichrist has not showed up yet, he says there is a spirit of the Antichrist that is going to indwell people, and it's going to draw them away from the one true Christ. So today, as we talk about us versus them, right and wrong, black and white, light and dark, we're going to look at the, the ones that hold the true spirit of God, and we're going to really look at the ones that are embodying the spirit of the Antichrist. Ooh, that's pretty hard stuff, isn't it? And John tells us what the Spirit looks like. We jump down to verse 22. It says, Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? And the first thing that we, the, the first thing we can recognize of one who is embodying the Spirit of the Antichrist in their life is they are attacking the essence of who Christ is. They are denying the, the, the work. They are diminishing what he did on the cross on our behalf. This is a, a clear sign. And, and you're thinking, well, I don't do that. 
Because some of us could, some of us at times can embody that spirit of the Antichrist. And I don't ever do that. Well, no, no, I don't believe that anyone in here is going to just go come right out and just directly attack the person of Jesus Christ. Because every one of us in here probably likes the idea of someone who loves us, who died for us, who wants to forgive us, who's kind and generous, who, who helps the leper and heals the blind and bring the outcast in. We all like that idea. So I'm not, th- I'm not saying that this is a direct attack. Now, in... This time, there were people who were directly attacking who Jesus was. They were saying that he wasn't really truly God. He was just a good prophet, but he really wasn't the son of God. There were even some that said that he did not, the spirit of God came down when he was baptized and left when he died. That he's not the son of God. He's just someone that God lent his spirit to while he was here. All these are false teachings, and they were diminishing what Jesus Christ did on the cross they were diminishing his ability to, to save people from their sins. They were, they were basically focusing on him, him being fully man, but denying that he was fully God. But I believe today we attack him in a different way. We diminish his work in a different way. We deny him in a different way. We redefine him. We reimagine him. We believe he is good, but he is not God, right? We say that he's a teacher. He, he's, he's a philosopher. He's a, he, we can learn a lot of moral teachings from the, the person of Jesus Christ. And you hear this all the time when people talk about, oh, well, God's a loving God. And they take that attribute of him being loving and caring and compassionate. And they say, if the world would just be like this, everything would be okay. And they forget about the justice of God and the holiness of God and the wrath of God. The God that ran into the temple and said, this is not, this is the house of prayer, not a den of thieves, and flipped over tables. They forgot about the God that when he saw the unholiness, struck down his priests because they approached him in a way that was not according to his design. They forget that he is a God who has to be holy and just and is also loving. We take away part of who he is and we ignore that. We have even some strong beliefs, like the Mormons believe that, that, that God had many sons. He had many celestial sons, and Jesus was the one that chose to come to earth. And Satan was his brother. And that's a whole other sermon all in itself too, right? This is a false teaching. It diminishes who Jesus is. It, uh, we have the Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus was actually Michael the archangel who came to earth, and when he came to earth, he was named Jesus. And now that he's back in heaven, he is Michael the archangel again. But he's not the son of God. He, Jesus is simply important, but he's not a priority in our life. He is a martyr, but he's not our savior. He's good enough to punch our ticket, but we're too good to, to ride on the train. What does that mean? Think of it in this way. Think of it as a membership of, to a gym. Who has a gym membership? Who goes to the gym? Yeah. A few people actually go to the gym. Most of us will buy that membership. We go a few times, and then we can sit there and think, look at our keychain, and go, man, I got a gym membership. I'm, I'm doing good, right? But we never go. And that's what we do. We like to come. We like to say a prayer, and uh, it's an emotional experience. But, but we really didn't give our heart to the Lord. And, but now we can go around saying, look, I, I punched my ticket to heaven. 
you know. But I never go to church, or I'm never with the body. I'm never in the Word. Um, but I'm good to go because I've punched that ticket. And we treat Jesus in that way. But anything that we do that diminishes the work of Christ on the cross and what He has done for us, that is an embodiment of the spirit of the Antichrist. And you're thinking, I don't, do, I don't do any of those. I don't think we do any of those intentionally. But think about this. We were studying, we were studying Malachi on Wednesday nights, and we talked about the priest and how he says, I, I'm, I'm going to send a curse upon you because you are not taking to heart what I'm telling you. And we talked about on Wednesday night how we come and we sit in the pew or in Bible study or wherever it might be week after week after week. And we hear the Word of God. We're convicted of what it's telling us. We know there's some things that we should do better at and things that we should, we should not be doing and things that we should be doing. But then we leave and we don't change anything. We're not taking it to heart. And we go out and we're one person on Sunday, and we're someone else during the week. And what we are doing, whether we realize it or not, is that we are telling all of our coworkers that Jesus Christ is not important enough for me to change the way that I live. He is not uh, making an impact in my life to where I, that, that I, I'm going to do anything that's for Him. I'm going to make sure I'm still doing things that are for me. You're, you leave unchanged. You, you say amen, you, you nod your head in agreement, you smile, you, you, you know what you should be doing, myself included, and we leave and we go back to our regular routine. Nothing has changed and we are an embodiment of the Antichrist because we are telling people around us that there is no reason to come to church and worship Him. There is no reason to give your life to Him because He's really not making a change or difference in my life. Hurts, doesn't it? When I was writing that, I was like, oh, it hurts. Oh, oh. Got my big toe that time. Because we all can get that way. Where God's Word, we've heard it so much, we're almost numb to its amazing, wonderful impact that the Spirit of God wants to have in our life. Well, I know I shouldn't use that language because that's a, that, that abusive language, that foul language uh, that Ephesians chapter five, 4 and 5 are talking about. I know I shouldn't tear people down, but man, it's just so easy to get caught up in that gossip and to tear people down. And the pastor comes, preaches the message on it, and then we leave. Oh, man, man, tomorrow at work, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get involved in that. You get in the work, and they say, did you hear? And you go, ooh, please tell me. <laughs> That's what we do. That's what we do. But not only does the spirit of the Antichrist attack Christ himself, but look at verse 19. They went out from us, but they were never really one of us. And if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out. So they may be shown they were not all of us. See, what's taking place here is not only does he attack the, uh, Christ, the person of Christ, and diminish his work, but he also abandons the faith and abandons the fellowship. Now, I say abandons the faith because and fellowship kind of together because one who's deserting the fellowship, the gathering of God's people to, to, together, that is an evidence of a defective faith. 
Okay? Now, now I'll, I'll clarify all this in a minute. But the, he paints this picture of us and them. The ones that are part of God's family, the us, the children, the, the true believers, they are ones that remain in the fellowship. This passage paints a picture of those who do, not, do never leave. They, they endure to the end. They, they, were, they, uh, they persevere. They are an overcomer. John chapter 10, verses 27 and 29 talk about the sheep that are truly the shepherds. It says, um, it's coming. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hands. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. If we are truly his sheep, then we will know the shepherd's voice, and we follow the shepherd. And once we are truly his and secured in his hands, we will never be able to be plucked out. Satan will have no hold on our life if we will continue to follow after him. But the true sheep are ones that will hear and follow. And so there are going to be many sheep that when the shepherds call on their name, they're, they're not going to come running. They don't recognize the Father's voice. They're going, to be, they're going to be left out. And there are many of us that we believe that we are one of his, but we truly are not. We're not hearing his voice, and we're not following his instruction. So the ones that are of God remain in the fellowship. But then the spirit of the Antichrist is there too. And the spirit of the Antichrist is ones that abandon the faith and the fellowship. They do not last. It says they went out from us. Now understand, it says they went out. They weren't dragged out. Uh, We didn't excommunicate anybody. They voluntarily chose to break from the body of Christ. Say, I am done with this. Maybe it was hurt feelings. And as I'm, as I'm, as I'm reading this list off, you're, many people that you know, friends, maybe people who used to come to church here and no longer are going anywhere and have no really fruit of evidence of God working in their life today, their, their, their name might come to mind. Maybe your name's coming to mind. As you know, you've not done as much, uh, you've not been as faithful as you know you ought to be. And, it's, and maybe it's because of hurt feelings. Maybe it's because of uh, you were truly wronged by somebody else in the body of Christ. Maybe it was a perceived wrong that maybe you, you don't, maybe you perceived something that was wrong, but nothing really, it was just, you know, how we get sometimes. We think, oh, they're going to look at me different because of this. I'm going to look at me different, different because of that. And the reality is, is that's just a, per, a perception that we have. Maybe we're holding a grudge for some, someone else. But here's the truth. Anything and everything apart from false doctrine or God calling you away. So if God calls you to serve someplace else or the church is teaching false doctrine, anything else where we abandon the fellowship of God is an excuse. Because I did not come into this church or any church thinking, Man, I'm in a church building. Everyone in here is perfect. Right? And if you guys were perfect when you got here, when I got here, I messed y'all all up. Because I know I'm not perfect. See, the, the truth is, is that we live, the body of Christ is, is, is a field with broken people that need a great physician. That's what we are. And we are sinners that, that, that need a Savior. And we have that Savior in common 
But we still say stupid things and do dumb things and hurt people. And we still gossip and we still do all those type of things. And we make a mess of what God's given us to do. But a true person who has the Spirit of God is going to forgive. They're going to love. They're going to take those heart feelings and they're, going to, and they're going to surrender them to the Lord and say, Lord, take care of this. I can't do it myself. He is, I mean, but we're unable to do that many times. And when we are unable to do that, when we say, well, you know, I haven't been in a while. I'm going to go in there and people are going to look at me different. Where have you been? And, and, we, and we have all those excuses of why we're not fellowshipping with the body, why we're not serving. That is the spirit of the Antichrist saying, just walk away. And you are in danger. You are in danger of revealing that maybe you were never really one of his children at all. Because if you have the spirit of the God dwelling inside of you, you will have a desire to be with the body. Now, understand this. Not every person that's not currently going to church, that's a believer, is a lost sinner dying going to hell. I'm not saying that. There are many circumstances and many things that they're battling with internally. I do not know what's going on between them and God. So I cannot speak. But I will say this. It is very clear that the spirit of the Antichrist is trying to disrupt that. Maybe either they're lost and uh, either they're lost and they have walked away. And the spirit of the Antichrist, when they walk away, they usually draw people with them. Okay? They usually will take people with them, mislead them, lead them astray. But I will say the spirit of the Antichrist also does this. He, he wants to keep us out of the fellowship with other believers. Because the longer you're away from the fellowship, the more, like you talked about on Sunday night, that ember dies. When you roll that log away from the fire and it begins to kind of go down, you roll it back to the fire and it begins to catch up. When the longer we are away, the more that fire dies out and the harder it is to get us burning again. But the spirit of the Antichrist will abandon the faith and abandon the fellowship. Not only does he, uh, do they not last, but they were never really part of us. The ones that truly leave because they never really get, gave their life to the Lord, regardless of what they professed when they were younger or professed during that revival or that vacation Bible school, they were lost and they still are lost if they completely walked away from the faith. Because if you are truly one of his, if you truly know his voice and you truly follow after, it says that we will never be snatched out of his hand. But if you can freely and voluntarily just choose to walk away from God altogether, then you really didn't know him or love him. And those are hard things for us to hear because, like I said, I can think of people that, that are no longer in church, and they're going through my mind, and I'm sitting thinking, okay, are, are, they just, are they just having a, some, a bad time, or are they truly lost? And here's my advice to you. I would treat them as if they are lost. Because I was telling the, 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 the group, I'm not sure if it was Wednesday night or Sunday night, and I'll tell you again this morning, the lost people don't need church, they need Jesus. And if they're not been in church in a long time, Getting them into church doesn't save anybody. You get them to fall in love with Jesus, and Jesus will get them in church. And a lot of times we try to say, well, you ain't been in church. Where you? No. Get them connected back to the Father, and the Father will take care of getting them into his house. 
But here's, a, here's an important point I want to point out. The spirit of the Antichrist may leave the faith, but the spirit of Antichrist might also remain in the fellowship. Because there are two church, there's two churches that the Bible talks about. The body of the Christ, which is the universal church that we're all a part of. And there's also the local church that it tells us that we need to be involved with. Okay? And the Antichrist can walk away from the faith. It can, it can not be a part of the, other, of the big church, the global church, but still be a part of a local church. Now, here's this. Here's the if, if then. If you are a member of God's family, if you have truly made a profession of faith, you truly surrendered or repented of your sin, and have Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're part of that universal church, then you will have the desire and you will be a part of the local church. Okay? But you can be a part of the local church, attend every week, be a member on the robe, and dunk in the waters and be initiated into the local body, and you still might not be a part of the eternal, the eternal family of God. Okay? The local church isn't guaranteed access. It's not your gym membership, right, to heaven. And the reason the Antichrist wants to maybe leave the, 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 the body of faith but remain in the local church is because that's where the Antichrist can do the most damage. He can corrupt people. He can deceive others. He can lead them astray. Their attitude that is against Christ and against the faith can be contagious. This could be an attitude of apathy where I, I don't care, a lack of commitment, I do things their way. They're unwilling to work with others. They have lazy commitments. They're unreliable. They diminish the work of Jesus Christ by quenching the Spirit, and that attitude can be contagious. And that's the spirit of the Antichrist. Do any of us have those attitudes today? Uh, An apathetic attitude, uh, um, my way or the highway type of attitude? Are we unreliable? Can people count on us? Because the way that we, our commitments, teaches a lot of people about who Jesus is and who he is to us. Now, we talked about the spirit of the Antichrist, so let's do two things real quick. Two things the Antichrist cannot withstand. Because it's great to know that he's out there, to be prepared, to be vigilant, to be on guard, because Satan is like a lion that is looking to see who he can devour, right? So it's good to know the enemy's out there. It's good, it's good to have a night watchman to, to, to keep guard. So we know that he attacks Christ. We know that he abandons the faith and he leads people astray and out of the fellowship. But now we need, we need to know what we can do to not allow that to happen to us. Not only in our personal life, but here at Nortonville Baptist. And one is to have a true anointing of the Holy Spirit. Verses 20 through 21, 1 John there says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. And I have written to you because, um, not, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. You have the Holy Spirit of God. He's anointed, it's fell upon you, He's anointed you. This is the moment of salvation that, that, that the Spirit of God indwells all of its believers. 
And the first thing we do to combat a spirit of the Antichrist is allow ourselves to be filled with the true spirit of God. Because if we are filled with the true spirit of God, there is no room for the spirit of the Antichrist to work in our life. There is none. I gave this first person the name Saved Surrendered Saints. Bunch of S's there, right? The saved, surrendered saint, a believer who's been anointed with the Holy Spirit, who has surrendered to the Holy Spirit, his life's going to look like this. The Holy Spirit in John chapter, uh, John chapter 14, it comforts, he convicts, he seals us, he equips us. But then in verse 14, verse 26, it says that he teaches us. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I said to you. He not only teaches us, but he reminds us of everything that God's word says to us. And so when the spirit of the Antichrist begins to try to work and, and um, seep its way into our life, the spirit of God will bring back the word of God to our mind and say, no, this is not of God. He reminds us of God's word. He teaches us how we ought to live. So if we don't have that spirit combating against the false teachings of the Antichrist and that spirit of the Antichrist, guess what? We're going to fall into the trap. We're going to fall into the trap. And all of that in John 16, verse 13. He guides us in all truth. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide us into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose it to you what is to come. See, the Spirit of God doesn't bring a new revelation to us. There's a, there's a lot of uh, denominations and, that now that teach that someone can have a revelation that is new. The Spirit doesn't bring new revelations apart from God's Word. He only reveals the truth that is delivered from God the Father through His Word. Okay? So these evangelists that get up there and say, The Lord spoke to me and gave me this. And it's, 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 it does not stand up to the test of Scripture that it is not of the Spirit of God. Then we see Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. It says, That God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom <coughs> excuse me, and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And what that means is this. What that means is when you read the Word of God... There are going to be times when you do not understand what the Word of God is teaching you. And you're not going to one day read it and your physical little finite mind of a human is going to go, I get it, unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. How many of you have ever read a passage of Scripture over and over and over and over again and you've racked your brain, you feel, just can't figure it out, and then one day you pick it up without even trying, you read it, and it's just like something clicks. That's the Spirit of God saying, now it's time for you to learn this. Who's ever had that happen in their life? Happens to me all the time. I read that and go, I, I swear I've read this a million times, and I don't even remember this phrase being in the Bible. Where did it come from? Who got a... No. That's the Spirit of God opening your eyes to a revelation that's always existed, but our minds could not comprehend. So the first way to combat this, this Antichrist is to be a believer and allowing his spirit to work in your life. A saved, a saved, surrendered 
saints. And when we do this, the spirit of the Antichrist becomes powerless in our life. But then the second thing, verse 24, it says, And as for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. And what you heard from the beginning abides in you. You also will abide with the Son and the Father. Speaking to the teachings uh, that God has, I mean, today it would refer to the, the Word of God. This right here. That we've been taught since we were little or taught from the moment we were a believer. And we, what you heard from the beginning, do not let it depart from you. Talking about God's Word. Talking about the authority of Scripture. And that's how we combat the, the spirit of Antichrist is the, by the authority of Scripture. Isn't that what Jesus did when he was being tempted in the desert? The devil came to him and said, turn this rock into bread. And Jesus said, boom, here's some scripture for you. The Son of God should not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And what did Satan do after he did those three attacks and he came back with them with the word of God every single time? He left. He fleed. Defeated. Jesus, the second Adam, did what the first Adam couldn't do. By turning back to the Word of God. See, the word abide is used 23 times in the, in the book of 1 John. And in this passage alone that we're reading, it is used seven times in this little section here. Seven times we're to abide in the truth. The Word of God. We're to, we're to abide in the Word of God. So the second way, not only are we a saved, surrendered saint, but I'm going to do three more S's here, okay? Can you pick this up? We are a Scripture-saturated saint. Our lives should be saturated in the Word of God. Psalms 119, hide His words in my heart that I may not sin against God. Psalms 1, meditate on His Word night and day. Uh, Colossians 3.16, His Word will richly dwell in you. Joshua chapter 1, this is whenever Joshua was taking over command. Meditate on his word night and day so that, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. See, the more that we meditate on his word, the more that we dwell in his word, the more that we hide his word in our hearts, the more that we're not going to sin against God, the more that we're going to be able to do according to all that it is teaching us, the more that we will be able to serve God, the more we are able to combat the enemy. When we are saturated in His Word. And the reality is, is that we simply do not spend the time with God in His Word that we need to as believers, do we? And I have to be careful that I'm not simply using my time in Scripture to study for the message without also doing some personal time with God. That's a challenge. When you spend two or three hours studying to make sure that you understand everything that God's telling you to, to, to relay to others, sometimes you're like, man, i got to spend time, more time. Isn't that awful to think that way? I mean, maybe no pastors ever said that to you. You think all pastors are awesome. But I will say it is a challenge sometimes when you have spent two or three hours sitting there just writing and rewriting a message. You know, I, I, do, I, write, I wrote it earlier this week. And then every Saturday, I rewrite the message and put it into an a fa uh, organized fashion to where I think it could be understood. So by the time you do all that, you're looking at three or four hours, and then, okay, now i got to do my quiet time for myself. And that can be challenging, right? 
So if it's challenging for me, I could be challenging for those that you know, work a full-time job and got kids and grandkids and work overtime and, and have a, a whole other plethora of things going on in their life and the challenges that they face. But if we're not saturated in Scripture, then that gives a little open door for Satan to get in there with his spirit of the Antichrist in our life and diminish the work that God's done. And the more that we have a right understanding of Scripture, the more we will have a right view of who Jesus is. This goes back to the message we had a couple of weeks ago. The more that you know God, the more that you love God, and the more that you will obey God. Right? Because if we have a right view of what Scripture teaches us Jesus is, who Jesus is, we know that Acts 4 says there is no name under heaven that anyone can be saved besides the name of Jesus Christ. And what we believe of who Jesus is, going back to the very beginning, what we, be, what we believe in who Jesus is, because the spirit of Antichrist is going to attack them. But if we get our understanding and our view and our belief in Jesus wrong, everything else is wrong. So if we are part of diminishing that for someone else, that's the spirit of the Antichrist working in our life. Because if someone, if we accidentally or purposely mislead someone and they're understanding of who Jesus is, we have doomed them to hell. That's pretty hard. The way we live, if it portrays something other than a picture of what the scripture teaches us, that scripture teaches us Jesus is, then we've diminished the work of Christ. And we have set that person on a crash course for hell. I'm going to end with this little story. There was this doctor, and this doctor uh, uh, seeing this patient, and the patient was having all kinds of problems and struggles. And then, and after they've been, you know, found out that he had cancer, and and uh, so they run a test to see what kind of cancer it was, and what stage it was, and how long that he had to live. And the doctor finally got the the news, and so he calls up he calls up the the man on the phone, and he says, I mean, "I've got some." Uh, Good news and some bad news. And he says, what's the bad news? He goes, cancer's really, really, really bad. It's, it's, it's you, know, you know, stage five is awful. And then stage four is, I think, the worst you can get, right? And so it's like, I mean, it's, it's, it's really bad. It's, your body's covered in it. And uh, he goes, man, that's, he goes, so then what's the good news? He said, the good news is, no, I, mean, I totally messed this joke up. You know that? It's awful. <laughs> I totally messed the joke up. So we're going to have some good news and then some more bad news, all right? That's the bad news. Now here's some good news. The good news is, is that you, you still got some time. You got at least 24 hours to go out and tell all your family members uh, and, and, and say your goodbyes and, and, and kiss your wife and, and do everything you need to do. He goes, but the, the other bad news is this. I should have called you yesterday, right? I heard some laughing and some awes. Right? <laughs> Now, what does that got to do with as we close today? If a doctor misdiagnoses something or gives a poor diagnosis, right, they could administer medication or do something, and that could cause that patient to die. 
right? He had the best intentions. He didn't mean to, to mislead the patient. He didn't mean to give him a medication he was allergic to. He didn't mean to perform a procedure he didn't need to perform that led to their death. He didn't mean to do that. No. His good intentions, hence his sincere faith, led to that person's death. Another story is that a dad was in his house. He heard a burglar downstairs. He went and grabbed his gun. It was dark. He rounded the corner, saw him, got spooked, shot him, killed him. Turned the lights on. His daughter was up to get some food. She got hungry in the middle of the night, got up, got some food. His intentions were admirable, right? Noble. Protect my family. Rounds the corner, boom. The spirit of the Antichrist does this to us. It diminishes who Jesus is. It takes us away from the fellowship and the faith. It sets us on a crash course for a place called hell. And then even if we do not mean to, even if we have a sincere faith, we can sometimes be part of that, right? Not even realizing it by how we live, by how we talk, by what the commitment level we have toward God compared to the, to, to the world. So as our musicians come and get ready for the invitation, here's the challenge. Here's the question. Does the spirit of the Antichrist dwell in you? I'm not, I'm not asking right now if you're a believer or not, okay? I'm asking, does it dwell in you? Do you find yourself being apathetic? Do you find yourself misleading and having a contagious attitude, a negative attitude for others in the church? Do you find yourself diminishing the work of Christ by how you live? by the picture you're portraying of Christ to others. Your faithfulness to, to, the, to the body and to service, to serving Him. Is it where it needs to be? If it's not, I pray you come up here right now and say, Lord, I know I'm a believer, but I've let the spirit of the Antichrist, I've, I've let Satan get into, my, get into my mind. He's not in my heart, but he's gotten in my mind and he's, he's misleading me. And it's caused me to mislead others. And you need to come up here and you need to say, it's time for me to get back in the Word. Because a Scripture-saturated saint will compel the spirit of the Antichrist. And I need to be more faithful to be in His Word. To be more faithful in His church. And now I am talking to those who are lost. But Lee, this was all over me. I got... You, you mean you just stepped all over me. Well, I didn't do anything. Scripture, Spirit of God, stepped all over you. Maybe it's because you don't have a relationship with Christ at all. You do not have forgiveness of your sins. You've never dealt with your sin. You never said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've failed. I know that no matter what I do, I'll never be good enough. But your son and his work on the cross was good enough. And I, I give my life to you. And please forgive me my sins. And from now on, I am going to live for you. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn from the way I was living and seek and desire to live for you. If that's you, if you want to be that saved, surrendered saint that also compels 
not compels, but expels the, the spirit of the Antichrist. Come talk with me to, to this morning. Come kneel down at the altar, and I'll pray with you and walk you through how you can give your life to Christ. As we sing,